right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. This is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Today, I got quite a bit to talk about in the sports realm. Uh, we'll be going over some MLB news, of course. We have the tread deadline to talk about, so I'll be talking about some winners and some losers there. We also be, we'll also be going over the scores from last night as well as the standings. And finally, to wrap everything up, we'll be talking some NFL news, and then I'm going to be talking about that Hall of Fame game uh, last night between the Falcons and the and the Broncos. So let's just get right into it. Of course, like I said, in the MLB world, we had the tread deadline about a couple days ago, and the, we're going to talk about, like I said, some winners and some loners, losers. Starting off with some teams that really did a good job. And uh, the first of those teams is going to be the Houston Astros. Now, they were able to get pitcher Zach Greinke for prospects. Pitchers, uh, basically starting with pitchers Corbin Martin and J.B. Buscalcus. And also infielder Seth, uh, Seth Beer, excuse me, and also Joshua Rojas. Uh, as for as for Grinky, uh, this is what the Astros are getting this year. They're getting a starting pitcher with a record of 10-4, which is really good. They're also getting an ERA of 2.90. Uh, so really good on, on, on that end. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be added to a great rotation that already consists of Justin Verlander. You also got Garrett Cole over there, and also Wade Wiley. Now the team already is already currently at a 3.79. Look for that to drop just a little bit more, I would imagine, with some Zach Greinke there. And uh, as far as this, uh, the Astros are concerned, they also add a couple more relievers: Joe Biagini and also Darren Sanchez via trade with the Blue Jays. So it looks like uh, the Astros didn't need to. Do a whole lot of moves. Uh, they definitely lost a few guys as well, but it definitely straightened up the pitching rotation as well as a bullpen that is looking to control not only the AL West, possibly even uh, push themselves to another World Series title back to back. So good for them. I like the move. Zach Greinke has been uh, one of the top 10 pitchers in the league, actually, and I would say in all of baseball since at least 2000, uh, 2010, something like that. Uh, but for a while, uh, maybe at least even 2013 if you want to go even more recently uh, probably 2012 13 uh, but he's definitely been in the mix uh, I think he's has some experience in both leagues meaning the American and uh, the National League so again definitely um, definitely a good good addition for the Houston Astros uh, he had a 15 team no basically a no trade clause and all the big market teams were out of it including uh, so that includes the Dodgers and the Yankees so they weren't gonna have a chance at him regardless uh, but again Houston is a solid fit for him and I really thought that though was a smart move by both sides uh, moving on we got some more winners here uh, the Washington Nationals uh, they're gonna be boosting up their uh, their bullpen as well they added relievers Daniel Hudson Rowenis and Le uh, and also uh, Hunter Strickland to their bullpen. Uh, they're all they're all sitting around a three ERA right now, which is pretty which is pretty much league average. Uh, you have the Houston Astros; their starting rotation gives up about a three ERA, and then look at where they're at in terms of uh, their success and their record. So uh, they're pretty good. They're they're adding three solid relievers uh, to a team that definitely needed pitching. They were rated near the bottom, and pretty much all Texas there, and they're in a thick of a playoff race. Uh, a, they are close in the wild card race as well as their own uh, divisional race, and they've been playing uh, the, Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves pretty close, and that's the number one team right now in that division, the, the NL East. So they've been playing it really close to the hip lately. Uh, 
the, uh, the Phillies have moved up a lot significantly in the past week or so. We'll talk a little bit about a little bit about that more in this when we talk about the standings. But still, I thought this was some really good add-ons by the by the Nats trying to uh, solidify uh, their bullpen and to kind of you know. Well, to you know, to, to at least compete for that second place spot, or maybe even a wild card, or even like I said, they have a they have a chance to even win that division. So they're trying to do. I mean, there's a possibility that they could they could do one or the other. Uh, they could either win a wild card or or win that division. So having a solid bullpen goes a long way in uh, making that happen. Uh, the Atlanta Braves also brought in some uh, relievers as well. Again, this is another pitching staff who's only the struggling in at the moment. Uh, they brought in uh, relievers Chris Martin, Shane Green, and also Mark Melikon from the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Green currently has a 1.1 ERA, so that's what they're going to be banking on. He'll definitely be in the rotation uh Soon, I would say sooner rather than later. Uh, they got him specifically for that playoff push. Again, this is a, a pitching staff. Despite their overall record, despite their standings, uh, despite their their standings within their own division, uh, they are struggling in terms of closing out a lot of different games, and they're having struggle. And that's coming from uh, lack of depth in that uh, bullpen rotation. So they definitely made some key moves there as well. And uh, we also finally we got the, the Cleveland Indians, who, in my opinion. Uh, I think this is the Astros, uh, a lot of people will say the Astros made the best move. I actually really liked what the Cleveland Indians did here. Uh, they added outfielder Yasiel Puig, who's sitting at at least a two, uh, above a 250 average, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Uh, he's, they also added infielder Christian Arroyo. Uh, they also added right-handed pitcher Hunter Wood. They also added another infielder, Victor Novoa. And they also added two more pitchers here, Scott Moss and also Logan Allen. So again, I felt like where the Astros just focused in on pitching, and mind you, they probably are uh, sh uh, sure everywhere else. But for the Indians, uh, they were able to hit multiple multiple needs that they needed on uh, needed on that squad, and uh, they got some really quality pieces here. So uh, don't look for the uh, don't be surprised if the Indians are you know challenging at least uh, or can or can actually steal that first place spot in that AL Central uh, from the Twins. So I liked the, the piece that they added there. They certainly got a firecracker with Yasiel Puig, but he definitely has championship experience. So, so that would be interesting to see um, added to the squad here. Again, because they're definitely in the thick of things now. They're also in the playoff race. Again, they're about four games back, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in that division. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second, but they're also uh, they're leading in the wild card race. So they definitely are looking at looking to have a playoff spot however you slice it. So um, that was a good move on them. I thought that was, in my opinion, the best move at the trade deadline. Uh, moving on to some losers at the, at the deadline. Uh, we're going to start off with the LA Dodgers. Uh, they added a couple infielders. I know I mentioned one a couple days ago. Um, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but more recently, they added another infielder. Like I said, Jed DiGiorgo. Uh They added him from the card via trade with the Cardinals. Currently, he's batting at a 196 with two home runs and seven RBIs. And they'll be placing him on double A right now for a rehab assignment. Uh, looks like he has an appearance. It looks like he has an apparent injury. So he'll be given some time to figure that out. I really don't like, I really don't understand that, that pickup there. Um, again, I guess they're really uh, comfortable where they're at. You know, firing on all cylinders. There's some more that I want to talk about about the Dodgers in just a second. So, uh, 
there's probably more to that than we know. Uh, but again, um, I don't know how to feel about the Giorgio pickup. Uh, I have to come back to that. Uh, but they also ended up picking up, up another reliever, Adam Kolorik. Uh Currently, he has uh, he's pitching uh, to a 187 average against left-handed uh, left-handed batters, and he also have a, has a 531 offensive rating against them, uh, meaning left-handed batters are doing terrible against him pretty much uh 187 average they're not hitting for contact uh five uh 531 ops they're not scoring too much on him again they're not driving in extra base hits on him uh so he's definitely good against left-handed batters so uh i kind of get that one again um the giorgo pickup i don't get uh, they also added another infielder uh, I'm not too sure about all that, uh, but they're making moves with their roster, so we're, we're going to be talking about that in a little bit as well, but I mean, that's about it for them. They're making moves eternally. Uh, for the Yankees, no significant moves from them, so I'm going to give them an L for this moment. Uh, I guess they're just hanging the fact on the, uh, hanging, hanging their um, faith on the roster that they currently have. They're going to be, uh, they're they bought in and I it's the same thing with the Red Sox no real significant pickups on either side or whether it be pitching uh, in the outfit or anything like that so uh, that was that was strange for me to have these four teams not really do anything and they're pretty much in the thick of a race uh, well for the Dodgers they're not they're pretty much far and beyond everybody else but it would have been good to see them add somebody of quality to get some, some maybe some uh, backup backup clutch uh, experience or just uh to come off come off the bench in a pitch hitting situation or something like that maybe work as a dh uh possibly because <clears throat> again this is a world series favorite if i'm not mistaken <clears throat> the american league won the uh world series so if i if, if the rules are still right there the american league will be hosting <clears throat> excuse me they will be hosting the world series which would mean the dodgers would need a designated hitter so again, I don't think they really did their homework. I just figured they were really comfortable with who they have, just like with the Yankees. Again, they are in a significant lead right now in that in that uh, AL East. But again, you know, the Rays are performing pretty well. You have the Red Sox kind of nipping at their heels. So, and again, I don't think they're the best team in the AL to begin with uh, come playoff time. So that's an interesting uh, point right there as well. And for the Red Sox, <clears throat> they're third place right now. They're a couple games back from the second place team. Uh, they're also a couple games back in the wild card. You think it would have behooved them to at least make one move to bring in a pitcher, to bring in somebody, uh, to bring in a power hitter, something like that. Maybe somebody, just anybody. And they didn't. So, again, I don't know what to make of those those situations. Uh, we'll see what happens with those guys and we'll see what happens to the teams that made moves. So it doesn't, you know, just to make moves at the trade deadline doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be great. So, uh, again, uh, that's that's what you have to deal with. But let's move on to some news going on. And uh, this is coming from Dodger Town. And it's looking like and it's looking like first baseman Jack Peterson has been relieved of his infield duties and will be replaced full-time by right fielder Kobe Bellinger. Now Jack will be moved back to the outfield and in six of his games, in six games so far, uh, six of his past games, Jack has posted a negative three runs saved with six errors. So basically he's not helping getting people out, he's, he's actually giving up base hits 
on his end. And he's also giving up errors as well. That's not a good look. Uh, his putouts have also gone down to about 87 this year. He was at about 200, maybe even 300, if I'm not mistaken, a few years back. Uh, I was just looking at his stats last night on uh, on MLB.com. And back when he was playing in the outfield, uh, his actual number of putouts was higher as well. So it, it's definitely... Uh, it's definitely been affecting Jock, and I don't think uh, I think the Dodgers have finally come to the realization it's not working. But offensively, Jock is doing pretty well. He's hitting a, thir- a 233 average along with 23 home runs as well as 50 RBI. So that's not really the issue. It's just defensively he just can't cut it at first base. But he can pe- he could still play pretty good in the outfield. Uh, now. Be- uh, Bellinger has performed well at the first base position, but at the same time, he's injury prone there as well. So it's kind of like a catch 22. It's like we have somebody who can definitely replace him, but at the same time, uh, can he hold up there? There's been definitely, he's had issues with his shoulder, uh, which is very important in terms of an infield, uh, infield uh, infielder, because again, or uh, actually anybody in the infield or the outfield, because again, there's a lot of stress on throwing that all that that ball around to get those outs to maybe get a double play. So there's a lot of stress on that throwing arm. So again, can Cody Bellinger do it? I mean, again, I I would imagine though, since he's playing in the outfield, he's throwing it a lot farther. It'll be more stress on him there. He would have entered his arm a lot more or his shoulder a lot more playing uh, right field that he does now, as opposed to injuring it in in the first base because again you're not throwing it as far but maybe the torque and the velocity again i'm not an actual baseball player so i wouldn't know but uh apparently he is injury prone at this position so that is a that is something to look at uh but he's, he definitely could perform at this position as well so the, the dodgers are making subtle moves they're not making outside move picking paper players up uh but they're switching up the lineups uh looking like they're switching up the defensive rotations uh, and again we'll just see how i mean again and, and it's not like those two guys aren't serviceable at the positions that they'll be going to so um i don't think it's a dumb move uh definitely like i said uh, Jock Peterson was getting at least 200 or 300 putouts a season uh, working in the outfield as opposed to this year he's at 87 so that's a drastic drop definitely defensively and again he's had six errors and uh, no that's not going to cut it uh, again it, it it looks on the surface now uh, the Dodgers are looking okay because of their record but again that won't work in the playoffs so I thought that was a good move uh, good move now uh, to avoid that coming into the playoffs I thought that was smart by their manager and finally, uh, we have another bit of news here, and this is coming from the NL Central. Uh, the MLB has decided to, to, to suspend six players from both the Pirates and the Reds, including their two managers, Clint Hurdle, as well as David Bell, and uh, for their for their brawl on Tuesday night in Cincinnati. Now both uh, now both managers basically charged at each other at one point. Actually, uh, David Bell uh, was charged at Clint Hundle. Uh, now David Bell is the manager for the, uh, the Cincinnati Reds, and uh, Clint Huddle or uh, Hurdle, excuse me, is the manager for the Pittsburgh Pirates. In the brew, in the in the fracas or the fight, uh, David Bell uh, actually went up and stormed up to Clint Bell in order to get. Well, I guess he was attempting to start something with him. Uh, but again, like I said, both managers has been suspended, and they are not eligible for uh, for appeal. Of course, the players are, but the players that are suspended are going to be Kaoni Kayla. He's going to be suspended for ten games. Uh, he's a relief for the Pirates. We also got pitcher Amir Garrett, who basically, uh, I would say, 
initiated it. He'll be out for eight games. Uh, he's a pitcher for the Reds. We also got infielder uh, Jose Osuna, five games. Uh, he's uh, he's starting for the Pirates currently. Uh, we also got pitcher Jared Hughes, who was, uh, well, he, uh, actually, Amir Garrett didn't initiate it, uh, but he definitely, the initial beef per se, he didn't initiate that. That was Jared Hughes and his wild pitch, uh, but he definitely started the actual confrontation between the two teams i will say that from what i saw in the video i'll talk about that in just a second but anyways pitcher jared hughes again the person who started the initial beef he's just out for three games now i'm gonna break this down to y'all and why i think this is kind of cold uh and I, I just thought about it just this very second uh but he's he's a pitcher for the reds he'll be out for three games uh also we have pitcher kyle crick uh he'll be missing three games as well uh he's a pitcher for the uh the pirates and we also got outfielder yasia puig who recently got traded to the Cleveland Indians, he'll also have to miss three games as well. He was playing on the Reds at the time of the fight on just on Tuesday. Uh, now, all players, like I said, will challenge their appeals, uh, and they will, even if they do challenge their appeals, they're already going to miss three games. And in my opinion, I mean, especially for the, the for the cases of Amir Garrett, and I know for the cases of uh, the pitcher, uh, J Jared Hughes, who originally started this whole fracas and all that, I'm pretty sure there's there's camera and visual evidence to see that these two guys were the aggressor of course we we can see the pitch uh that way through uh that we can actually see amir garrett if you look up the video take off the mound for whatever reason now now there is now what what i will say about this is let's just get into why this all started we have to go all the way back early into the year i don't know the exact date uh but this was early in the season uh and the pirates and the reds had played each other and it looked like the uh had the in that game the reds had gone on gone up early by two to one uh one of their outfielders outfielders had hit a, a home run he was showing off a little bit and again baseball is so weird because um you know, I've seen fights go down in, in football, right? And I've seen, you know, fights between teammates just to blow off steam and, and all that. And I've seen teammates respect each other and, and move on and, and whatever. Uh, but baseball is weird in the, in, the, in the sense of you can't really show no real, no real swag or that's not the word I want to use. No, you can't show no real, like when you, when you make a home run, pitchers and the other squad really get touchy when you do something just like flipping the back after you hit the home run now in football you can throw a home run and i mean throw a touchdown pass and pretty much do whatever defense can can pretty much put up a choking sign on you and do whatever in football i've seen i've seen really some real taunting in football and they pretty much let you go come on now like football is a sport where randy moss pretty much uh, uh, mooned uh, a sideline in baseball you can't even just drop the bat down a significant way without getting hit the very next time you get up on the mound it's very psychological in that way it's very weird in that way and uh, apparently the Reds have pissed uh, the Pirates off with you know how they were conducting themselves and uh, the Pirates who have been complained about uh, about not only by the Reds but the Cubs as well of course they're playing a lot against each other in the same division so they would know about these high and inside pitches or pitches that are thrown behind the batter uh, and they're hit or just hitting the batters as well so again 
Pittsburgh uh, has been very, you know, kind of been playing dirt, some dirty ball this year. And again, specifically with this team, the Reds here, there's been some really, some real friction. I don't know if there's been uh, continuous, continuous friction between, his, it's been a historical thing, uh, but definitely this year, like I said, in that original game, uh, the Reds had gone up on them and they just weren't from the Reds. Uh, the Pirates just weren't feeling it. Uh, you know, one of, like I said, the guy that hit the home run off of Chris Archer at the time, he did like a little shimmy and whatever and they just they were hot they tits uh, when he made it around home uh the the catcher for the pirates he was looking at him all crazy i saw it happen and he uh and again not you know i wasn't able to see the actual game but of course when i looked at the highlights got the catcher there at the time uh cervelli uh for the pirates kind of looking 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 at the reds player and just kind of saying something to him and you, you could tell it was something you know by his by his stare and by the way he was kind of you can't really tell all the way just because he has a catcher's mask on but you could just tell he was looking at him and you could tell he was saying something to him you could see his body you know you know how you know you could tell when somebody's talking to somebody well no no matter what and uh and, and, and you could tell that it was something negative being said and for wherever that moment from that moment on again that next guy that next uh plate appearance for that batter he got hit and of course there was been drama ever since and in this night again uh tuesday night again we had some wild pitches words being thrown out and this is what this is what happened uh we had another wild pitch uh by uh like i said wade not wade wiley i'm sorry but jared hughes again i think this was in the ninth or so inning uh and uh again it, it started a real bad chain reaction when amir grant finally got to the mound uh it looked as well from his account uh the, the pirates players were heckling him giving him a hard time and uh he calls uh, somebody over yeah he calls the manager over to talk talk it out and uh then he just goes off on on josh bell the first baseman uh for the pirates and he runs himself all the way over he, ta he takes off from the mound. i've never seen this happen and this is why i think uh he, you know, he's gonna get some significant time because again i've never seen this happen but the, the pitcher now it's the bottom of the ninth the pitcher just takes off from the mound and he goes, and they're already down significantly by some runs. At least it was like two of the two was like twelve to three. So there's nothing, nothing really to play for for anybody at that point. The, the Pirates have won the game. Uh, the Reds are getting blown out, so it's over. But again, there's that beef going, and 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 I just saw it happen. I don't know. It was the strangest thing I ever seen. The pitcher Amir Grant just takes off from the mound. He goes straight to uh, their dugout, the Pittsburgh Pirates dugout, and starts swinging on somebody. And he hits them. He hits them. Some white dude. He didn't make it to Josh Bell. I don't think he really wanted to put hands on Josh Bell. Josh Bell is one of the biggest baseball players I've seen. That's a, that's a, that's man. There's not a whole lot of brothers that play baseball. Y'all know what I mean when I say that. That's a nigga that plays baseball. I wouldn't. I that's I like Josh Bell as a baseball player. I respect him as a man, but I wouldn't just mess with people like that. He's not a brother. I would just nah. Uh -uh. So apparently they was talking some head to each other, and dude took off the mail. I never seen it happen. He went, he bold enough to leave and go to the dugout by himself, and had the nerve to swing on somebody. So I will give Amir Grant some points for that. Um, on some real, on some real. I don't know what was said again. I don't know what was said between these two guys, but and the two teams. But yeah, it was it was on and popping. 
<laughs> and the whole bench is all the benches clear uh everything that got settled at one point in time but Yasiel just like in the first situation back in the, in the first part of the year he just goes off after everything's been settled and starts jacking uh just jawing off to somebody and just He'd be. I ain't gonna. I'm not trying to be racist, and I don't want to be sounding ignorant. But that boy Yasiel Puig, though, like I don't. Nah, bro. He 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 be making black people and, and melanated people sometimes look bad. Cause when he be getting all into it, he be looking like a real. Nah, I'm not gonna say the word. Nah, he be nah he be cooning sometimes though. Yasiel Puig, Puig, you need to calm down, bro. I know you ain't like a brother. You ain't black, black as you you know. You Latino, you gonna say you Latino, but bruh, nah, bruh, you gotta, you gotta conduct, conduct yourself better than that, cause both situations, he, he wouldn't even end the fight, he wasn't even the main person involved, and Yasiel Puig just decides, after, especially after everything, and it just seemed to be like, it'd be like after everything is all settled, he'll just explode again, and start flipping things over, and trying to move, and trying to push people around, I'm like, bruh, calm your ass down, go home. We don't got time for that in baseball. The, the whole situation, the, the game is long enough as it is. Y'all, you over here trying to draw it out with a fight. Nah, bruh. Go on home. We don't got time for that. All right, y'all. I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, we'll be going over the scores from last night in the MLB. And we'll also be going over the standings as well. And don't forget, we got some NFL to talk about as well. So I will be right back. All right. And let's go over scores from the MLB from last night. Uh, we're going to start off with some interleague play. The Marlins getting a, a big upset against the, uh, the Twins uh, yesterday. 5-4 is the final score. The Phillies were able to get it done against the Giants in a big way. 10-2 is the final score. Uh, the Phillies were led by their catcher, JT Realmuto, who hit a three-run home run. He also had three hits as well. Second baseman Cesar Ramirez and also center fielder Ramon Quinn. They also hit uh, home runs as well. Uh, Ramirez also was able to drive in three runs. And outfielder uh, Scott Kingery had a good day as well. He was able to get th uh, three hits and also two RBIs and pitcher Jake Arrieta was able to, well not able to get the win, uh, but he was able to put up four solid innings of work. He gave up four hits but only one run. He also had five strikeouts as well. The bullpen did his job though with five innings going in. Uh, they also had, they also gave up six hits but no earned runs. They also got four strikeouts. For the Giants, uh, Brandon Bell had a pretty decent game. He had two hits and an RBI and left fielder Mike Yastrzemski had two hits in the RBI as well. Uh, moving on, we got some more interleague play. Uh, the A's were able to get it done against the Brewers 5-3. For the A's, they were led by third baseman Matt Chapman, who had a two-run home run. Right fielder Chad Pender and also the second uh, second baseman Jerickson Profar also hit RBIs as well and also Chris Davis was able to get a run as well. Uh, Homer Bailey uh, got his first start with the A's and he's able to go for six innings picking up the win. He gave up five hits two earned runs but he had five strikeouts as well. And for the Brewers left fielder Ryan Braun, the OG and also outfielder Trent uh, Grisham were able to drive in some runs. And uh, we also got some AL East play coming up. We got some. We got the Blue Jays beating up on the Orioles. 11 to 2 in the anonymity game. Nobody cares. Uh, we got the 
the Rays beating up on the Red Sox uh, nine to four. They're getting they're getting close in the the AL East. They're trying uh, nine to four is the final score there for the Rays. They got uh, they got a good game from their left fielder Tommy Pham. He had two hits and also two RBIs. Catcher Mike Zumino had two hits in the RBI as well. And pitcher Brandon McKay was able to get the win, going for five innings, giving up seven hits. Uh, but he also had uh, he only gave up three earned runs and also he had seven strikeouts for the Sox. Uh, they were led by their shortstop Xander Bogarts, who had four hits and three RBIs, and our, uh, that their right fielder Mookie Betts also uh, had two hits in the RBI. And for Andrew Kashner and his uh, his Red Sox debut, not so good. He went for five innings, gave up seven hits, seven earned runs, and he also had five walks as well. Ugh, that doesn't look good, but uh, time will tell. This is just the first game out. I'm pretty sure he'll get he'll get things right. Uh, moving on, we got some more AL action. The Astros were able to get it done against the Indians, seven to one is the final score for the Astros. They got a big game from their DH, Jordan Alvarez, uh, two eight, uh, two hits, two RBIs. For those who do not know what a DH is, uh, DH is the designated hitter. All he does is hit. That's all you got to worry about. Third baseman, Alex Bregham, also got three hits and two RBIs. And left fielder, Michael Brantley, also did his thing with a two-run home run as well. Garrett Cole uh, making it known that the Astros have one of the best rotations in the league. He went for seven innings. That's really good. You don't really see a whole lot of pitchers going seven innings. A lot of them get pulled. For whatever reason, uh, he gave up four hits, only one on run. He also had four strikeouts as well. For the Indians, uh, they got an RBI from their third baseman, Jose Ramirez. That was their only score. Uh, and we also got the big score here. Uh, well, on the in the NL Central, it would have been a big score. Uh, but the Cardinals were able to get it done uh, against the Cubs, eight to zero. For the Cardinals, they were led by their uh, their catcher Matt Weeters, who had two hits, three RBIs. Uh, the left fielder Yaris, I'm oh, sorry, Yadro Munoz uh, did his thing with two hits and two RBIs. Uh, Colton Wong, their second baseman, was also able to drive in an RBI as well. And the right fielder Jose uh, Jose Martinez was also able to get an RBI as well. And uh, for the Cubs, what can you say? Uh, the starting pitcher John Lester, uh, he only got well, he yeah, he was in for five innings, gave up nine hits, five runs. He also had six strikeouts and that bullpen again struggling, struggling, struggling. Struggling, struggling. Uh, I believe they put up at least four innings. Uh, they gave up five hits and also three more earned runs. It's not a good look. It was not a good look. Uh, also, the Dodgers got it done last night too against the uh, the, the Padres. I believe that score was uh, eight to two. And let's move on to the standings in the AL East, like we always do. Uh, the Yankees they are still on top. They are sixty eight and thirty nine. They are four and six in the last ten. Uh, they've been slipping up a little bit, but I think they they have enough to get it through. I mean, I don't like the fact that they didn't add nobody over the, the trade deadline, but you know that's not my job to 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 make those decisions for the Yankees. I could just I just talk about them. There you go. Uh, moving on to the number two spots, 63 and 48. We have the Rays. They are seven games back, seven and three in their last ten. Do not count them out. They are challenging. They are also uh, moving in position. Actually, they become the second place team in the wild card hunt. So we have to look out and respect them as well. We have the Red Sox here at 59 and 51, ten and a half games back. They are five and five in their last ten. Uh, I 
I don't know what to make of this team. Um, Andrew Kashner did not have a good game. Again, this was just his debut. Uh, but again, there's a lot of holes on that Red Sox team that they did not address. So there's more problems than just Andrew Kashner's debut. Uh, at the four and fifth place spot, we really don't need to talk about these guys. We got the Blue Jays, 44 and 67, Orioles, 36 and 72. I know that sounds mean, but next time play better. In the Central Division, we have the Twins, who are 66 and 42. They are 6 and 4 in their last 10. Uh, they are looking pretty good, but again, they have the Indians right on their heels. The Indians here are 63 and 45, just three games back. They've also gone 64 in their last 10. And they've, like I said, they pretty much, uh, I thought they had a really good haul. Like, you remember when you used to play Pokemon and like the red version and the yellow version, you used to go to the uh, Safari Zone and the dude would, ask, dude would ask you after, you know, you took all your steps here asking you did you get a good haul the indians got a pretty damn good haul um and i think they might even again i would not be surprised at this point if they were able to snatch the al central uh from the twins but at this point they are leading in the wild card race uh, at 63 and 45 in the third place spot we have another anonymous team that you know not good we have the Chicago White Sox who are 46 and 60 and rounding out the bottom two spots here we have the Royals and the Tigers the Royals are at 40 and 70 and the Tigers are at 32 and 72 and moving on to the AL West we have the Astros here who are 70 and 40 they are the second team to make it to 70 wins they are 7 and 3 in their last 10 playing really good baseball Zach Greinke added addition will only make them better the A's are at 62 and 48 at a pretty decent spot they're just one game out of the wild card at the moment, uh, though, and they are eight games back in the division, but they've gone five and five in their last ten, so they've, made, they've uh, remained consistent. Uh, moving on to the third place spot, we have the we have the 56 and 54 Anaheim Angels or the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I don't care. They're only third place, so they're not going to make the playoffs. So who cares? 14 games back, five and five in the last ten. Um, nah, 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 nah. I mean, they've been playing some okay baseball. They're, they're, I mean, they're going through a whole lot. So I don't want to, I don't want to just talk to, I don't want to bag on them too much. But the Rangers, though, they're trash. 54 and 54. Uh, they're, they're a significant amount of games back. It doesn't matter. 16. It doesn't matter. They're not. They're garbage. And there's no excuse. They have. Don't worry about it. Texas is just garbage. And at the fifth place spot, we have the Mariners, who have 47 and 69. Again, another trash bag team. And they don't really have no excuses. At least the Angels, they're going through things, and I can, I can, I can reason with them. That's why I'm not gonna bash on them too much. Mariners, y'all trash. I don't want to hear y'all talking no more this year. Y'all haven't been, which is good though. Moving on to the NL, we're gonna start off in the NL East. We're gonna uh, start off with the Braves. They still maintain their number one spot despite all what's going on with them. 65 and 45 is a record. They've gone 64 in their last 10. We have the Nats here in the second place spot. They're tied with the Phillies though. 57 and 50, uh, 51 is a record for both these guys, the Nationals and the Phillies. They're both seven games back. Uh, but the Nationals, uh, actually, they, they've both gone six and four in their last 10. So there you go. Actually, no, no, no. The Nationals have gone five and five. And the Phillies have gone six and four. So, if you if you want to give the, the point or the nod to the to, to the second to the Phillies, that's the only place we can do that. They've gone six and four. Nationals have gone five and five. So if you want to give them um, some props there, you can do that. Uh, moving on to the fourth place spot, we have the Mets here. They are 53 and 55, 11 games out. They are eight and two in the last ten though. But we do have the Marlins here, the last place spot. They are 42 and 65. But they've won a few amount of games. 
and they won a, they won a good amount of games recently, but they're still trash. Moving on to the NL Central, we have the Cardinals here on top. They were able to steal it at least a divisional lead for now with that win last night. They are 58-50, 7-3 in their last 10. I think they're looking better than, a, than the, the Cubs and the Brewers, in my opinion. They're playing a lot better baseball, but that's just me. Uh, the Cubs are currently 57-51. The, they're currently 3-7 in the last 10. They are a game back. And the Brewers, uh, and for what it's worth, the Brewers and uh, – the Cubs should be lucky because they've been struggling as of lately, and the Cardinals have been finding ways to just to just string little winning uh, little winning streaks together. So again, the Cubs and the Brewers are just lucky that they're only a game and a, uh, two games back respectively. But the Brewers are 57 and 53. They're five and five in their last ten. Up next, we have the Reds, who are 50 and 57, seven and a half games back, six and four in the last ten. Uh, you can pretty much put a, put a fork in them too with all the, with all that's going on with them. They're pretty much done. And of course the Pirates, they've been done. They're 47 and 61. That serves them right. And uh, we going on to the NL West where we have the Dodgers who are still on top 72 and 39, 6 and 4 in the last 10. Up next, we have the Dodgers. I mean, it's the Giants, excuse me. Ooh, the next closest team, but they only had 16 games back, so uh, whatever. They're, they're trying for a wild card, which at this point, they're, they're closer to getting. I, I can tell you that. I can, be, I can level with you, Giants fans. You're closer. Um, do you get it? Well, let's see how the NL Central shakes up, guys. I'm sorry. And you got to look at the NL East, too. Uh, ugh. We'll see. I'm I'm not rooting for it. I'm just going to be honest for you. Can I be honest? I'm not. <laughs> I know y'all are, but I'm not a fan. So I can just, all I can do is just talk about y'all chances. That I will do that. And y'all have a decent chance. But I'll be unaffected either way. <laughs> the Diamondbacks are currently 54 and 55. They're in third place. Uh, we also have the Padres here who are struggling, even with Manny Machado. That was a bust move. Um, a lot of people are talking about the the, uh, the Bryce Harper trade and what how will and how that hasn't really panned out. But for what it's worth, the Phillies have a chance to at least compete in their division. They're competing in their division. Uh, and they currently have a wild card spot that they could try to latch on to as well. Uh, as far as the Padres are concerned, man, Machado hasn't done shit. And we keeping it real here. They're 50 and 58, and they have no shot at doing anything. So... He's a bum. And let's move on to the Rockies. They're the fifth place team here. They're 50 and 59. And uh, yeah, they've, they're waiting on football season. They were pretty excited about what the Broncos did last night. I could imagine. Uh, speaking of which, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about those Broncos in just a second. Uh, we'll also be talking about a little bit of some NFL news as well. At least I will be. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, y'all, and I am back. And right before I get into that preseason action, there's a couple bits of news I want to go over real quick here. And it looks like the New York Jets have decided to uh, to get some depth along that offensive line. They signed uh, center Matt Khalil to a one-year deal. Now, Khalil was drafted in 20, uh, 2007. He's a two-time All-Pro and a five-time Pro Baller with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, but the last two seasons, he's only played in 14 games. So the biggest thing is keeping him healthy and can he play a full season uh, but he's definitely going to be a good addition to an offensive line that's so so at best uh, he's going to be right there probably starting at the center position which is fine because uh, he 
this quarterback, which is going to be young Sam Darnold, is definitely going to need him. Uh, but again, he is he has he has, he has had some injury issues in the past. Uh, so the, the 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 key is can he stay up for a full season? And if he can, uh, would be a good a solid pickup at least for the Jets. And finally, we got Phil Dawson of the Browns. The veteran kicker has decided to retire after 21 seasons between 1999 and 2019. Uh, he's played in 305 career games, which is seventh in the NFL. Uh, he's also so he also ranks eighth in field goals made uh, with 441. He's also 11th in points scored with 1,847. And he's also 16th in overall field goal percentage at 83.8. Dawson also holds Brown's record for field goals in a season at 30 in 2008. Also highest field goal percentage in a season at 93.5 in 2012. And he's also the most. He also has a record, the Brown's record for most consecutive field goals made in a season and is the only Browns kicker to be selected to a pro ball so uh, good good luck on you Phil Dawson good luck until your retirement and uh, thank you or, uh, well, at least from your fans' perspective, thank you for an awesome career. Now, let's get into these scores here. Of course, we had the one preseason game, the Hall of Fame game. This is what we always have, um, our annual Hall of Fame game, of course. And we'll be talking some about some well, we'll be talking more about the NFL Hall of Fame just itself in my next episode. But let's get right into the game. Uh, the Broncos, of course, was able to get that win. 14-10 is the final score. Uh, now it's time to break down the stats for the Broncos. In terms of passing, Drew Locke led the way pretty much. He had seven. He went 7 for 11 for 34 yards. We also got Brett Ripien, the product from Boise State a few years back. He went 5 for 10 for 41 yards, but he was able to, to score their touchdown. And we also got Kevin Hogan. He had a he went 5 or 8, 37 yards. And let's move on to the rushing side of things. We got Kelfani Muhammad leading the way. He had 50 yards and a touchdown. He also caught four passes for 24 yards. Uh, Devontae Jackson also got 26 yards on the ground as well. And when it comes to receiving, wide receiver Nick Williams led the way. He had two catches uh, for 18 yards. And wide receiver Jawan Winfrey had a catch 15 for 15 yards and also that touchdown. Moving on to the defense, uh, they were led by the three defense. Well, by three defensive backs, uh, Horace Richardson had five total tackles. Demonte Thomas also had five total tackles, and Trey. Johnson had three total tackles and also an interception. For the Falcons, uh, in terms of passing, they were led by Kurt Benkert. He had not, he went 19 to 34 for 185 yards and for a touchdown. He also added 17 yards on the ground as well. And in terms of rushing, Brian Hill led in that department with 57 yards. In terms of receiving, uh, 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 wide receiver, excuse me, Christian Blake. He had, uh, excuse me. Five catches, 46 yards, as well as a touchdown. The wide receiver, Sean Bain, also had three yards, uh, three catches, excuse me, and 39 yards. And on defense, defensive end John Kaminsky led the way. He had six total tackles, one tackle for loss, and he also had a sack as well as a fumble recovery. And also linebacker Jermaine Grace had six total tackles, and he had a half a sack. Uh, from what I was able to see, of course, uh, my biggest takeaway is the Broncos are definitely trying to figure out who is going to be there? Uh, well, who's going to take a who's going to pick up the torch after Joe Flacco leaves? I don't know 
how long they're expecting him to uh, be there or be uh, healthy and, you know, willing to play. Because, again, they played all three quarterbacks, which leads me to believe that they're interested in the prospects of all three quarterbacks. Drew Locke definitely uh, showed that he has some accuracy. Uh, both of them, I mean, accuracy. As far as Brett Ripien is concerned, he has some accuracy, some decent accuracy as well. He was also able to to get the touchdown of all the quarterbacks as well. Uh, Kevin Hogan showed you some decent accuracy too, five or eight. Didn't get a whole lot of yards though. But again, um, I'm, I'm, I think they're looking, or they're definitely looking at their quarterback of the future. There's no doubt about it. The question is, who's it going to be? They definitely took uh, Drew Locke with the first round, with the first pick. But again, Brett Ripien has put up some solid numbers so far. Uh, Kevin Hogan, he does have some NFL experience as well. So it's going to be good to see over the course of their of their development who's going to take the starting spot once Flacco leaves. And and the question is, where where did they, where did the Broncos really sit on Joe Flacco as well? How long do they expect him to be there? So those are two good questions there. Um, as far as everything else uh, is concerned for the Broncos, uh, I was I, I mean I saw some some really good balance here. They were able to run the ball. Uh, we also got Calfani Muhammad, who we know now uh, who can do a lot of different things. He can run the ball. He scored, and he can also catch the ball as well. So we know he's a standout, and eventually he'll get his his reps as well. Uh, Juwan Winfrey did catch the 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 lone touchdown in terms of what the receiving uh, department uh and again this is a tight end this is probably be, especially because of who they were able to get in the draft with Noah fan they also got joe flacco as well uh there's probably going to be some check downs to tight ends too uh noah fan was able to get some uh some action as well last night too so uh look for that to be a, a focus for um the broncos as far as the falcons are concerned um not much to take away. Uh, definitely John Comiskey's performance. Actually, uh, both both the defense, uh, the both of the the stalwarts on the defense last night. John Comiskey at the defensive end position, getting six total tackles and a sack. That actually was pretty. He actually played a really good game. Uh, linebacker Jermaine Grace also played really well too, getting six total tackles and again that half a sack. And actually, Kurt Binkert um, really surprised me as well. I know Matty Ice is getting near the end of his career, so we don't. I mean, but again, he has some some ways to go. But again, it was good to see uh, Kurt Binkert do his thing. 185 yards. He really got some significant playing time in. So I, I definitely think Kurt Benkert is the guy that's definitely going to be the number two backup at this point in time. And he's probably in line, uh, depending on where he's at, um, to be to be the second in line for Matty Ice. So uh, we got a chance to see the kind – I wouldn't say, of course, uh, I, we didn't, I don't think we got a chance to see a whole lot of guys that are going to be playing day one and throughout this initial season, but in the cases of Kurt Benkert, and I think one of these quarterbacks for the Broncos, you definitely got a, got a chance to see kind of where their futures are or looking to head. All right, y'all, so I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Uh, when I come back to you guys again, I'll be doing some more sports talk. Uh, I'll be doing the end of the week uh, end of the week MLB update. I'll be doing some more NFL news as well. I also got a part three of my uh, of my college football previews as well. I'll try to get that guys to, uh, get that to you guys Sunday night. Um, actually, I might even have a word on the street segment between now and then. Uh, this is Friday, so maybe sa- uh, so Saturday. So Saturday, I uh, we'll also want to do that that Lion King review. So you know what? Uh, let's let's come back Sunday night. I'll do that uh, Saturday night. I'll do that. 
that uh, line can review for you guys, uh, review for you guys, as well as uh, have a word on the street segment for you guys. And then Sunday, I'll give you guys an MLB update, uh, plus some NFL news, as well as a college, uh, some, a college football preview as well. Uh, and for that college football preview, of course, we'll be going over the top 25 standings, some more of that, uh, some more top 25 recruiting, as well as some conference previews. This time around, we'll be, I'll be doing the Big Ten as well as the SEC. All right, y'all. If y'all looking to get in touch with me, uh, you can reach me on my Gmail account. Uh, that is eljbutler75 at gmail.com. Once again, that is eljbutler75 at gmail.com. Also, check out the Facebook page as well at Never Out of Bounds. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at L Jamal Johnny. That is spelled E L J A M A H A D J A N I. Once again, that is E L J A M A H A D J A N I. All right, y'all. This is your man, L Jamal. Once again, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. Y'all take care.